Welcome to the podcast of Unity Fort Worth. In it, you'll hear this week's message and meditation. If you'd like to hear and see the complete service, you can always find it at unityfortworth.org or on the Unity Fort Worth Facebook page. Unity Fort Worth focuses on positive and practical Christianity with a willingness to explore the entire world of religion and spiritual thought. Unity Fort Worth streams live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Thanks for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. So today, for the first Advent, we're going to focus on hope and faith. But before we go into the first Advent, I want to talk about what Advent, the entire Advent season, is really about. <clears throat> because I don't believe many of us realize how important this season is, not just to lead up to Christmas and to a couple of days of holidays, but is an actual mystical and spiritual indication of tapping into something much greater within us that we have found before. And so when we look at some of the traditional and metaphysical interpretations, then we can find in the dictionary, the first three, Advent means the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. From Christian theology, it means the coming or the second coming of Christ. In other religions, it will be an equally important person, a prophet, or a priest, or a guru. <clears throat> Thirdly, the time of preparation for the nativity or the birth of Jesus Christ. Again, that comes from the Christian perspective. That's what Advent is. But metaphysically, the way we interpret Advent is that it's a preparing of ourselves to allow our divine perfection to unfold and to be expressed. <clears throat> What that means is that we have a belief that there's a sense of perfection within all of us. And we give that sense of perfection many different names, depending on our upbringing, our religion, our spiritual beliefs, our culture. We may give this many different names and approach it differently too. But ultimately, what this journey from today until the fourth advent, Christmas Eve this year, is, is to deliberately and actively touch and keep touching upon that perfection and learn to do that more precisely, more regularly, despite all the busyness of life. This is challenging, isn't it? I mean, I was just commenting the other day when I was driving down the road with Elaine. You know, usually we can get out of our neighborhood pretty easy, right? But now, as soon as um, Thanksgiving was over, we have this slew of cars blocking our way to get out of our, our uh, neighborhood. It's everyone is getting ready to celebrate. Everyone is getting busy. And so it's really hard right now to do what I'm going to ask you to do. 
to take moments in your life every day until Christmas and hopefully much longer than that and slow down and remember that there is a divine perfection, however you perceive it, within you. And the Advent season is about to get to know that perfection. So that when Christmas comes around, <clears throat> the birth of Christ, it's really not about the Christian religion at all. It's about birthing that perfection fully and bring it out. So hopefully by our candlelight evening service, you will be inspired to show up as that divine perfection you have always known you were. <clears throat> so the birth of Christ we perceive as immaculate and also accessible. And that's very important. <clears throat> because often when we grow up in a Christian environment, then there is this idea that, of course, Christ is immaculate. But not necessarily accessible, isn't it? How many of us have learned that Jesus Christ was so far from where we are that it's completely unreachable to be even remotely like him? Anyone? very inaccessible. But when you actually read the stories about Jesus Christ, you actually know for a fact, by just reading the stories, even interpreting literally, that he was relevant and relatable. And his relatability gives us the intention or the insight that he must be accessible. And in that way, Christ was exactly like any other spiritual teacher. We can go into any religion, whether it's the Jewish, Jewish religion, where we have Moses, or Elijah, or Abraham. They were accessible people. They were people that were among other people sharing of their connection with God. We can go into the Hindu tradition and read about Krishna and Arjuna or any of the other gods, Sarasvati, Shiva, and we realize that there is an accessibility there, a way for us to relate. So Advent then is a time of preparation for the birth of our own divinity, which we call Christ, and for the evolution of our spirituality. And let me just clarify something because often the word Christ can be very scary for some, whether we were raised Christian or in other religions, because the way it's used, even nowadays, from more traditional elements within the Christian faith, where that separation is very important. And I'm not denying that that is something useful or not useful. I'm just talking about this is not where we believe the Christian belief actually came from. 
when we look at the very origins of the teachings of Jesus Christ and the early Christians who didn't call themselves Christians at that point, the movement was called the way. No one was calling themselves Christians. They were just following the teachings of this person that lived before them. We often refer to those early Christians as mystics, people who were willing to experience the divinity rather than talking about it, or people who were willing to walk in the footsteps of this person they learned about rather than setting up a lot of rules about how we are supposed to think about that person. Those early Christians were very clear in one thing, that the idea of Christ, which is the same thing as saying the idea of divine presence or divine perfection, is within all of us, regardless of belief. So they believed, actually, that even in the, Jew, in the Jewish tradition, even those who were following the Jewish belief, they didn't need to convert them but they still had the belief that within them, there was still the divine perfection, which they called Christ, because they really adored the teaching of that great teacher. And this is actually almost exactly the same way like the Islam treats every follower of the Islam. For someone who follows the Islam, the idea to be a Muslim is in everyone. I talked to uh, a few imams about this. They're very clear that for within the Islam faith, everyone, whether they're Christians, uh, follow the Jewish tradition, Hindus, agnostics, even atheists, all of them, without exceptions, are Muslims. The only difference is, for those who choose to then follow the Muslim faith is, they call that their coming home. But through their view is everyone, without exception, has that Muslim aspect within them, that divine perfection. And the early Christians have had the same idea. Only later, when everything became institutionalized, the separation started happening. You need to be Christian. You need to follow these dogmatic ideas, and otherwise you're not allowed to be part of our community. In unity as a whole, and especially at Unity Fort Worth, everyone is welcome, regardless of their religious background, regardless of their current religious practices. You're welcome whether you're an agnostic, an atheist, a non-believer, whatever you call yourself, you are welcome because we believe in that mystical early Christian idea of that, that divine presence, that divinity that we call Christ is within all of you. Okay. So there's a story that we use today the birth of Jesus foretold, and it happens to be the angel Gabriel who appeared to Mother Mary, or not yet Mother Mary at that point, 
telling her that she will give birth to um, a very special person. And by the way, as I'm doing this for the next few weeks, we're actually aligning our lessons with our youth and family ministries. For those of you who have families and follow online or in person, you will have a, a way of now talking with your children because they're getting, they're talking about the same story. They may not necessarily get the same information, but we wanted to align those stories for the next few weeks. <clears throat> What's really important in this foretelling of the birth of Jesus Christ is to understand what the role of Angel Gabriel is and what the role of Mary is at that point in time. And again, we believe not so much that the literal aspect of the story is important, but the symbols behind it. Most of us probably know that, um, or will have some idea that angels represent some form of a messenger of God, right? Wouldn't you say? Regardless of tradition, if you have a tradition that includes angels, you probably hear something like, yeah, they're messengers. They're the ones that talk for God, right? And so in unity, we have the same kind of idea. Angel, according to Charles Fillmore, our co-founder, is simply a God messenger. It also represents, um, it can represent all or one of our 12 powers that we heard about this morning in the absolute word, and I'll talk about one of the powers later. It's a way of connecting with that divine self. Every time when we feel and experience an angel, whether it's on the outside, finding a person, talking to a person that we perceive, oh my God, this person was sent from God as an angel to me because he just said the right words. Or even if we turn within and we come to a, such a great realization that we at that moment cannot even fathom that that realization can possibly come from us because we often think of ourselves so limited. So when that realization comes, we, we think it must come from something bigger than us. That's when we get in touch with that angel part, that God messenger, which again is a sign that in that moment when we got that message, we were perfectly aligned with our perfection. We were standing in our divinity, maybe just for a split second. <clears throat> Gabriel refers to the masculine or wisdom phase of the divine in man. I know that this community especially has for many years embraced mother, father, God. And I've talked about this idea of mother, father phases, or mother, father, God, what that actually means before. The father side is the side that Gabriel represents. And you'll see in a minute that the mother side is what Mary represents. And I mentioned before that it's impossible 
to separate mother and father. Even though we know that, according to the gospel, Jesus was primarily talking about the father, I would actually think that if we all were there, when he uttered those words, we may have experienced it more as father-mother or mother-father. Because one cannot exist without the other. Here, the angel Gabriel represents the father, the wisdom side, the active side of our divinity. That's later than taken on by Joseph. Joseph then became the earthly representation of that father-God expression. Mary is the mother. Joseph is the father. Here, Gabriel is the heavenly representation, and Joseph is the early, the earthly representation. So then, we can say, um, oh, one more thing, the wings. Like the beautiful wings that we have up there. The wings of the angels symbolize freedom from material limitations. That's very important to understand, especially as we talk uh, going to the Christmas season. Who, who, who is planning to buy Christmas presents? Okay, <laughs> quite a few of us, right? Um, <laughs> and so that's a representation of materials, right? Which is not a bad thing, but the angels represent uh, an opportunity for us to remove ourselves from the material things, from the houses and the cars and the jobs and the relationships, anything earthly so that we actually learn to tap into the divine a little bit better. So then the mother, Mary, represents the feminine, the soul, the affectional, the emotional phase of being, divine motherhood, of love, intuition. So now we have the mother side of God together with Gabriel, the father side of God, showing up in this story. And if you read the gospel, if you read any scripture, by the way, you will find often that there is this yin-yang representation. Yin-yang has a very Taoism, Confucianism, and some of the Eastern philosophy have had the same ideas. Mother, father. Intuition, intellect. Wisdom, emotion. None can exist without the other. That's what this story represents to us. And it's the story that comes early on, and it's basically telling us one simple thing. We cannot ever fully allow our divine expression to come forward by not embracing both. I say this again. The birth of Christ cannot happen within us that birth of that divine energy cannot come forward unless we fully embrace the mother and the father side of God. The masculine, the feminine, the wisdom, the intuition, the thinking, and the feeling. Still with me? So that is our task very specifically for the next few Sundays, is to understand when we are 
more leaning toward the mother while ignoring the father, or more leaning toward the father while ignoring the mother. When we are a little bit more emotional without allowing the wisdom to take place, when we are a little bit more intellectual without getting in touch with our feelings. This story is telling us in order for us to get deep into the truth of who and what we are, we must bring together both. Mary, love. Gabriel, wisdom, equals Christ or divine realization. And here's another thing <clears throat> that I think a lot of people even theologians or ministers miss. God in you, the Christ of glory. Sorry, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul is saying here what I was just talking about the past few minutes. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not Christ outside of you, which is practiced by the majority of Christianity, unfortunately. But for some reason, this is missed. It's the Christ in you. It's not Jesus Christ reappearing in your life. It's that Christ energy, that divine energy in you that is the hope of glory. And if you ever doubt that it's ever possible for you to be whole, then I want you to remember just those few words. And if you struggle with the word Christ, change it to perfection or divinity or an other, even God, right? In unity, we believe in the perfect oneness with God. You can even replace it with God because ultimately, Christ is a perfect expression of God. But it's within us. It's to be found within, which means that we don't have to look for it outside of us. God's calling right now, so let me see. Can you, uh, can you check if, if maybe, maybe he, she, mother, father, God disagrees with me here? Am I going to be struck by lightning right now? Okay. All right. So birth of Christ, immaculate and accessible. This is why Christ, divine perfection, is accessible to us. Because we don't need to go outside to look for it. We need to look within. We can find it outside. Absolutely. When I look at all of you, I see the Christ within you. There's no doubt in my mind. I see those sparks coming out when I interact with you, when I talk with you. On the phone, I hear Christ, I hear perfection, divinity to come out all the time. We don't need anyone else, but we can find it outside to help us to learn to find it within. We can be inspired by others to be better. We can inspire by, be inspired by someone performing or just being who they are and say, wow, I wish I was that, just to realize I have that within me too. Harmonizing our hearts and minds 
to free ourselves from the material limitations to realize the truth of who and what we are. That is what the birth of Christ is about. Okay. And I wish I had another Sunday to talk about the next part, but I don't. So here we go. First Advent is hope and faith. Hope and faith are very important practices that we need to learn to differentiate one versus the other because it's often confused. We often confuse hope with faith and vice versa. And I think it's important for us to understand that there is a difference. And so first, let's talk about the dictionary definition of hope. Hope means to cherish a desire with anticipation, to want something to happen or be true. And in an archaic sense, it also means trust. I highlighted desire and anticipation because hope connects to desire. Desire connects to the power of love. Desire is different than wants. Wants are usually about material things. I want a new car, I want a new house, I want, you know, jewelry, I want this and that, which is very prominent right now around Christmas seasons. But desires are a little bit different. Desires are connecting with something that we truly want, that we would love to have in our lives, and have very little to do with material things. They are about companionship, about safety, about being able to pay our bills, our abundance, uh, having no worries. That's what usually desires are about. And that's critical to understand when we think about hope. Faith, however, is much different. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That is much stronger. And it is much stronger and needs to be much stronger for us to be able to learn how to be divine, how to be more of who and what we are. And I came up with a graph, how to explain that. And then we're going to practice, and then we're done. So <laughs> think of a pyramid. The very wide bot bottom phase is the foundation of your spirituality. That's where faith lies. And the very top is hope. That's forward direction, the things that we hope for. The things that you will write down today are going to be more in the upper region of that pyramid, but they're directly and most importantly connected with the faith that you already have or are desiring to build. So at the very bottom are our faith in God, the faith in the divine self, Christ, the faith in love, the faith in peace, the faith in abundance, very broad things. When we hope for world peace, it's directly connected to the underlying peace, the peace that passes all understanding. When we're hoping for a loving relationship, it's directly connected to the love that is available to all of us because we are in this beautiful oneness relationship with God. In between 
is our creative power. Faith builds the foundation and hope gives us direction. Without the good foundation, we will always crumble. But if we learn to build the foundation strongly, we can start integrating hope in a way that it can last. The creative power is directly linked to our ability to manifest creations. And here is where I want you to take this with you today as we go into this exercise. These creations, hopes and desires manifested according to our faith, the foundation, but also our openness, our curiosity, and flexibility. If we are hoping for something too narrowly, and we're too stubbornly so inflexible that our hope is so immovable, guess what? It will likely not happen, or it will take us a long time to find it. For example, if you want a new house, you may say, I want a house on, um, in Fort Worth, and it has to have three bedrooms, two baths, and the kitchen island. That's very reasonable. That will be a desire and a dream that you have. But I've heard from people before that they go into the details so much that it's almost impossible to find that house. They say, not only do I want three bedrooms and two baths in the kitchen island, but that kitchen island must have this particular tabletop. If it's not exactly this shade, that reflects my beautiful face, when I look at it, it's not going to work. And my, my kitchen cabinets, they have to be in the shade of indigo blue at 80% angle from the sun hit in the morning at 7 o'clock, right? <laughs> Do you think you can ever find that house? No. So what, yeah, you can create it, there you go, right? So if we are going too narrowly to the top, if we're having too narrow of a hope that our desires are so narrow, it's going to be very, very hard. I'm not saying impossible, but it's going to be very hard to get there. Or talk, let's talk about relationships. Oh my God, relationships. Yeah. I want a wife that is very natural, but she must be blonde. And then she has to have this and that, and then she needs to be successful, and then she needs to bear my children, but still work so we can retire at 55, you know? Do you think we could ever meet a wife like that or a partner? No, right? It's, it's not impossible, but it's hard. The more we load onto these ideas, the closer we get to the top and the narrower our options get. When we desire companionship, we need to start that love and have faith that we deserve, first and foremost, love in our lives and that we are also capable to share that love with someone else. That's the foundation. And then, of course, we can add 
a few things, like what I did many, many years ago. I always said, I'm going to marry either a beautiful girl from a canton in Switzerland uh, that most people don't know about, Wallis, where the Matterhorn is. Most people know the Matterhorn, right? So he's like a canton, like a county. And he said, I always knew that girl that I'm going to marry is either coming from there or from Texas. <laughs> I was serious. <laughs> I, I, when my parents got divorced, I didn't want to get married at all. And later, as I got a little bit more open, I said, okay, she got to be from Wallis, where the Matterhorn is, or from Texas. Guess what? Elaine is Texan. <laughs> right? Well, that may, you know, it took me a few years to find her. So if I, you know, narrowed or was a bit more flexible, maybe it would have happened differently. But you get my point, right? We have to have faith in our own ability to recognize what's truly important in our lives. It's not the exact house that we may imagine. Not that it is wrong to imagine a house and to have all these desires and all in, but if we are flexible, we will eventually get to a house or a relationship that matches what truly is important. Companionship, shelter, safety. That's what it is about. You know, I shared a couple of weeks ago, can't even remember when it was, that I left Switzerland in a, in a rather dark place. And, uh, and I had a hard time, you know, to find love for myself, learned in the ashram later on to do that and to practice that. That's when we did the praise exercise together, which I wanted to share with you, which really helped me to start appreciating of who I was and started finding that love within me because I couldn't. During that time, <clears throat> I was hoping to find myself. And at first, I, I started out in New Zealand, and I had this very clear idea how I'm going to travel New Zealand on a bicycle with uh, four bags, heavy ass, and you know, riding the bicycle around New Zealand. And it was a disaster, an absolute disaster. I mean, I can tell you, I probably can fill books about all the experiences I had trying to ride this stupid bike. You know? If I was so determined to keep riding that bike, I don't think I would have ever met Elaine. Because once I was willing to let go of what I initially thought was the way to find myself, once I was willing to sell it, buy a backpack, and start walking in New Zealand, go from track to track, and worked my way by showing up on backpackers and cleaning toilets and cook for guests so I can pitch my tent for free and get some food for free. If I didn't do that, I wouldn't have ended up in this crazy backpack called the Lazy Fish, located in the Marlborough Sounds, where all the beautiful white wines are coming from, if you ever had Marlborough wine. And I wouldn't have met this couple who invited me to house sit for them and to stay with them. And I wouldn't have met those monks and learned how to meditate in New Zealand, in Wellington, the capital of New Zealand. And I wouldn't have fallen in love with those monks 
and with that practice and understood that this practice is going to show me how I find myself and I wouldn't have canceled the rest of my round-the-world trip and all my plans I had to go to Australia and Asia, but instead go into the opposite direction and go to the ashram in the Smoky Mountains. And I wouldn't have been trained as a monk. I wouldn't have become ordained. I wouldn't have become familiar with Elaine. I wouldn't have married her, and I wouldn't be here. If I was too much on top with my hopes and desires, how to achieve what I truly wanted to find myself, I probably would still try to ride this bicycle through New Zealand today. <laughs> Every flat tire, one at a time. But because I was flexible enough to listen and to watch and to go with the flow, I didn't let go of my desires or hopes, but I was flexible enough to make the necessary adjustments. And this is what I want you to do today. Let's do this exercise now. First of all, I want you to pair up and find a partner, like we did a few weeks ago with the praise exercise. Find a partner right now, all in here, sit next to them. Choose. If you're at home and you uh, are partnered up, you're two people, that's fine. If you're by yourself, just uh, maybe get a mirror or just do this by yourself. You can just split yourself into two. It works as well. Okay? So find the partner and then decide who is going to be A and who is going to be B. Okay? <clears throat> and do that at home too, get a piece of paper, you know, just, just partner up with someone. Okay, everyone has a partner. And if you're by yourself, you can still do it, no worries at all. Okay, so now the next thing what we're going to do for one minute, the B's are going to start, <laughs> not the A's. <laughs> the B's are going to share with the A's what their hopes and dreams are for this community and themselves. You're going to verbally share that. Don't write it down yet. The bees are going to start. And as the bees are sharing for one minute, the A's are actively listening. So don't think about breakfast tomorrow or fellowship afterwards. And why is he talking so long today? Actively listen to your partner but listen and recognize the foundation of faith that you hear. Get that? Listen what they're saying and find what they're truly saying. If they talk about the relationship and all that, recognize what's really beneath it. And then, for one in it, the A's will share back to the B's what they heard. Make sense? Okay. Using my chime. B's ready? Share your hopes and dreams with the A's.
All right. And I totally forgot, if you don't have one of those hope ornaments, I was going to ask the ushers to bring around. Does everyone have anything to write at least? Okay, good. Now the A's are going to repeat back to the B's what they heard. All right, now switch. For one minute, the A's are now going to share what their hopes and dreams are for this community or themselves or both. And the B's are going to listen actively for the underlying faith that's behind it. All right, now the last minute is, thank you very much, thank you partner for playing. And now you turn within. Oh, I forgot the other one, okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry, thank you, someone is paying attention. Okay, one minute to reflect back, there you go.
All right, now is the time for you to thank your partner. Focus on your, on your hopes and dreams, on your little hope ornament that you got, and raise your hand if you still don't have anything to write. Oh, Rebecca, Michele doesn't have anything to write. Okay, and now for one minute, totally up to you, write down the hopes and dreams that you have for this community and yourself. Just for yourself, not what you heard from your partner, just what your hopes and dreams are for yourself or this community. And don't stress if it takes you more than a minute. We have the meditation. We have some more time. There's no rush. I just want to give you some peace and quiet to gather your thoughts. Now keep writing, don't worry about it, if you're not finished. <clears throat> because from now, once you're done, whether it's doing the rest of the message, the meditation, the music, the rest of the service, anytime you feel comfortable and ready, you're welcome to walk up to the tree and hang your hopes and dreams on the tree. And just imagine that every time you hang that, every Sunday, it will be blessed by this community every single time, okay? And if you're not done, just keep writing. So um, I go through, we can get ready for the meditation. I go through this really quickly, just as a reminder. Hope and faith, we hope for what we desire, love, to develop, and build upon the faith, the conviction that we already are the Christ, the divine in us. That's how hope and faith relates. So the Advent season is a time of preparation. We hope and faith in birthing the Christ, the divine within us. We balance our hearts and minds to reclaim our angel's wings, allowing us to be free from limitations, and finally, to become the divine expression we already are. And as we all finish up, we can start relaxing for our meditation. Take your time and relax. And breathe deeply into your hopes and dreams.
The beauty is you don't have to worry about whether they're specific enough or formulated enough. Just spending the time today is all it takes to create. Allow your divine presence to be available to you, accessible to you right now. Regardless of your religious belief, regardless of what name you give it, just have faith that there is something that is greater than you may believe you are. You may visualize that divine presence as a figure of light or a flower with a thousand petals, a sacred symbol, a spark in the universe. And now allow that divine presence within you to grow and not only enfold your body, but grow well beyond that, enfolding this community, this city, this state, this country, this world, this universe. Imagine for a moment that you are part of this light a necessary, important part. And that everyone in here, everyone online, everyone in the entire existence shares this divine light. And with building that faith, that conviction in that truth, take your hopes and dreams that you just recognized and surrender it to that light. Surrender it to your divine presence. Whatever it is that you imagine, allow that imagination to come forth and take hold. And as God is calling you in this meditation, just answer it with your hopes and dreams. Allow that light to take hold of what you truly desire. And be willing to be become part of its creation. Commit to be an active part of its manifestation.
And as you relax into this divine light with all of us together today, or any day, allow a feeling of gratitude to resonate with what you have done and what you will do. Give thanks to the idea that you are needed, very much needed in this world. Give thanks to the idea that those people around you are needed, very much needed in this world. Allow your hopes and dreams to enter the divine flow. Pay attention. Be flexible. Be open. And be curious. Let us all together have faith in that which we truly desire. Faith in community. Faith in our ability to be as much as we can possibly be the divine presence we already are. And let us give thanks of all those that teach us to be better at it. And so it is. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. You just heard this week's message and meditation. For the live streams and more information, go to unityfortworth.org.